Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Of course, as always, it is me, Chris Ferry, and I'm Chris Huddleston. And today, as we announced for the first time last time, uh, we will be discussing the movie Dread. Now, before I just jump right into playing the trailer, I, I'd like to explain that what I'm actually going to play is a clip of the opening uh, few moments, few minutes of the film where um, Dread has a voiceover monologue because I think it, I think it explains what's going on a bit better, and you still get a sense of the tone. The audio from the trailer is a, a real um, mishmash of a bunch of different cutscenes and. Just having the audio alone, um, it doesn't, it's kind of incomprehensible if you're not seeing what they're showing. So, um, here we go. Dread. America is an irradiated wasteland. Within it lies a city. Outside the boundary walls, a desert. The cursed earth. Inside the walls, the cursed city, stretching from Boston to Washington, D.C. An unbroken concrete landscape. 800 million people living in the ruin of the old world and the mega structures of the new one. Mega blocks, mega highways. Mega City One. Convulsing. Choking. Breaking under its own weight. Citizens in fear of the street. The gun. The gang. One thing fighting for order in the chaos. The men and women of the Hall of Justice. Juries. Executioners. Judges. Okay, very nice. So, uh, Mr. Huddleston, do you have a synopsis for us? I do. I have a brief one here. In a violent, futuristic city where the police have the authority to act as judge, jury, and executioner, a cop teams with a trainee to take down a gang that deals the real reality-altering drug slow-mo. Hmm. Nice, so what short, did you sweet. It is very short and sweet. And it, I have a bone to pick with a cop, but... Um, in the description there, but uh, pick it, I guess it's, pick yeah. that bone. Um, so, what did you think of this one? Well, I I think I even said it last time. Uh, I really like this movie for a number of reasons. One of which is uh, having made low budget, I mean micro budget movies myself. I love that they didn't have a ton of cash to throw around on this, but I think they used their money very wisely. And they made a slick looking film um, that takes the property. It definitely honors the dark tone and the violent tone 
of the um, source material. I'm a big fan of um, <laughs> great host. I'm totally spacing on his name. Uh, Carl, Carl Urban. Urban. Carl mm -hmm. Urban, thank you. Got it, right under the wire there. Uh, big <laughs> fan of Carl Urban. I can't remember his name, but I'm a big fan. Um, and he wears a helmet, you know, the Judge Dredd helmet the whole time, unlike Stallone, he never takes it off. And I think he carries a commanding performance from basically the bottom of his nose down. Like, that's all you ever really see of his face. I don't think he ever takes off his helmet. Um, I don't think so either, yeah. So I think they, they took the property and they made... Um, some really inventive, clever choices with it. It's a tight little story about Dread and a rookie that he is sort of um, vetting or taken out on a trial run with him. And they get into, I think even in this time, they get into uh, deeper waters than he might have expected to get into. Um, you know, and it's just, it's kind of one day in the life uh, that turns out to be a really hairy day. So it works as a buddy cop film. It works as a, a comic book adaptation. It honors the source material, but doing fresh stuff with it. And, you know, it's an early, well, when was it? 2012? Yeah. 2012, yeah. It's a relatively early, you know, I guess that's in the Batman the um the uh christopher nolan batman when was that when was he making that trilogy 2000, i think the first one was like 2004 or 2005 uh, like early, but it, the, the dark knight was like 2000 and he also would have been in that uh you know iron man would have already come out at this point yeah um, it's definitely more in the nolan batman vein of course this is when it came out so it's not when they were shooting it per se but mm -hmm. it's it's gritty and it's like it's an imagining of a comic book as if it were like with nolan what would this look like if it was in real life like if we really imagined gotham as new york city and what would a batmobile look like oh, i'd probably be some military thing you know so instead of sh shiny golden epaulets in the shape of an eagle his armor, it, it looks like the stuff in the comic, but it's much more like body armor, like you might imagine a future cop could actually wear. Um, and I thought, I think it worked. So what do you, what did you think? So uh, we, I think I said um, on the, the Stallone episode that I had tried to watch this a couple of times and had never gotten all the way through it. It wasn't, that I disliked it or anything. I, I don't know. It was just whatever. I got distracted, didn't finish it. So this was the first time I had seen this all the way through. Um, and I don't know where you watched it. I, I got it on Amazon, mm -hmm. um, which it was, it's kind of funny. It's three 99 to rent or four 99 to buy. So I just bought it. <laughs> so, you know, this seemed kind of silly to, but uh, anyway, um, I liked it quite a bit. As you said, it's definitely, uh, way less campy than the Stallone version. There's a little bit of camp to this, but it's but it's overall pretty serious. Um, the budget, while you were saying, you know, is pretty low. It was fifty million dollars, so that was uh -huh. a little bit. I kind of thought maybe it was maybe like thirty, but um, but you know, fifty isn't a whole lot these days for movies, and it looks great. The cinematography, I think, is outstanding. They do the uh, 
I guess, popularized maybe by David Fincher in the 90s, the kind of washed out look, but there's enough color in it to where it's not totally drab. Um, but so the look of it is great. The effects are very good. I, I kept wondering, so I, I didn't delve very deeply into the production of this or anything, but on IMDb, one of the filming locations is listed as Oriental City Shopping Center in London. I wonder if that is the, uh, so most of this movie takes place in a high rise. Uh, it's like the projects or something. So it's that's almost the entire film is uh, in this high rise and dread and this uh, rookie partner of his are there to bring down this drug gang. So they're going through the different levels of the building. And what I kept wondering was when they go in, that looked like that was a real building, um, but it's massive. <laughs> now, there are other there are scenes where they're shooting across the hallways and that it looks very good, but it had to have been CG, you know, the way they, they put it all in. But uh, so it's, it's smart how they do this, where they're, I'm sure they were able to use the same sets over and over again, because it doesn't look all that different, you know, when they're moving around, they just change it a little bit, which I, which is clever when you're dealing with a, you know, budget that isn't huge. As you said, Carl Urban is really great in in this role. And like we said, with the Stallone movie, the studio wanted him to take the helmet off and Carl Urban never does. So as you said, you know, all of his his acting is, you know, you can't you, you don't, don't have his eyes to use. Um, I also thought the the partner played by her name is Olivia Thurby or Thurlby. Uh, Anderson is the name of the character, and she is psychic and i really liked how they used her uh psychic powers to get into the head of you know these bad guys that they're going after also the the drug that they use uh called slow-mo and what did they say it slows everything down to one one thousandth of normal speed or something like that yeah when you're watching the movie or one one hundredth even but it's oh, yeah. certainly it's not that slow like they're not they don't you wouldn't be able right. to watch a sequence at that speed it would look like still frame yeah, yeah. But they did some very cool, uh, you know, slow motion effects with that of, you know, people falling off of ledges and within the building and splattering, you know, and all that. So, uh, yeah, a very um, inventive and not expensive. In other words, you yeah. can sh shoot in high speed and get that slow motion effect. That's not a new thing. Mm -mm. And then all of the all of the drug stuff they do where, you know, they'll have a, a person use it sort of inhale it looks like an inhaler kind of yeah. cro cross between an inhaler and a crack pipe and and then everything kind of goes and they do a thing where they super saturate the color so everything is concrete and dun colored and cement and gray and washed out and dirty and then you take this drug and it's like suddenly you're in candy land in slow motion Your colors pop you know and they're too you know there's a little money in post to do that but it, you do that all in the computer. You don't, you know what I mean? It's like, you're not, um, you're not spending a ton of money. You're not creating robots that turn into cars in the computer. You're not rendering all that. You're just, but they, they made it very 
very smart and they had a lot of fun with with her psychic abilities and doing a little touch here and there of graphic whatever when she's like reading minds it was just enough and uh not too much and i kept kept you focus on the story mm -hmm. i thought the two of them had a good rapport oh yeah for sure um carl urban's performance very understated like he's not Stallone is the one screaming, you know, I am the law, you know, and, and it's not that it's kind of the opposite. No, they do that. use that line. They do, uh, but yeah. he doesn't scream it. Right. Right. He's on the, on the loudspeaker of the place. And he says, mama, who is the drug Lord? Mama's not the law. I am the law, <laughs> you know? And it, so yeah. you get the line in there, but he's kind of playing against the expectation that we have of this kind of guy who is, putting an exclamation point on everything like he's got to prove that he is the law but dread doesn't need to prove you know dreads dread <laughs> he doesn't need to shout it at people and i think it's just really effective in the context of this because the odds are really against them but he keeps walking out of the ashes like he's survives it you know yeah yeah and this movie is uh it's very violent it's uh very violent you know, this, this is a lot grittier than the the 95 version it's very very violent there's a couple there's a this has become a big thing with movies now because I, I apparently it's just easier for them but there there were a couple there were times where you can tell that it's cg blood um you know which it's not that big of a deal but uh and there there are some uh there was one shot that i really liked in this where he is um so the gun that he that he uses there are different um, settings for it. So there's one where all the, he's on one side of the building and there are a bunch of bad guys across, all the way across the building and he fires, um, it just shoots out like- Like an incendiary flaming. round. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think maybe he says in, incendiary or something like that. Yeah, I think that's but, from the comic and we saw that in Judge Dredd too. He yeah. says, you know, um, I don't know, incendiary round, armor piercing or whatever. And the gun kind of responds, you know, armor piercing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the gun talks back to him. Yeah. But it was cool in this because it, it was just a, a, a visual that I really liked. So he, he, they fire all the way across and, you know, these bad guys are all burning and everything. And they just zoom in on his helmet and you can see the reflection of the flames in his his visor and I that was just a really cool visual so there's a lot of little yeah. things that they do like that that uh, that are well done I felt I think there's a uh, I'm sure you remember this sequence um, they figure out what floor he's on and they kind of pin him down yeah. and then they come down with these big you know like bigger than oh, like gatling gun yeah, kind of thing gatling guns yeah they, that they, was cool they, too they bolt them into the floor and they mount them on these stands and mama's there with her guys and that she's just like fire and they unleash four or three or four maybe uh, yeah of these gatling guns that are firing these heavy uh you know bunker busting rounds and it's just of course there's families this is a residential block and everybody is just going through the walls and everybody's just getting pulverized by this fire and um they sneak out of it i won't spoil how they sneak out of it but um 
And then there's a great reveal at the very end of it when he comes back in for some reason and she sees that he hasn't been killed once all the all the guns have spun down. Um, it's a great sequence and I think uh, very indicative of the kind of visual elegance they achieve. You know, there's no, she says fire and then there's no words. It's just this kind of, ballet of firepower and carnage that goes on for a couple of minutes and i, I it sticks in my mind man that I'm, I'm like wow that was crazy mm -hmm. and it's it's not a uh it's it's action without being just totally over the top action uh which right. i kind of appreciate you know it's not like fast and the furious or something like that you know right right um, right and it's not a, it's not a kung fu where it's a bunch of hand to hand um, whirling dervish. Oh no, yeah. it's versus two guys. Now it's a guy with nunchucks. It's it's um, it's strategy as much as anything else, right? He's constantly zigging when they expect him to zag, and mm -hmm. you know he's hopelessly outnumbered. Um, yeah, I, I just, I really enjoyed watching it. And, you know, I sent you this thing. We had already said, well, we'll do this one next time. And then I saw the announcement that there's going to be a Dread television show. Like, Dread 2 is effectively going to be in the format of a TV show. And, they're, you know, they're trying to get Carl Urban. They'd love to get Stallone involved in some way. And I, this is just sort of a happy accident. Like, you you, you were back. Mm -hmm. We're tapping into the zeitgeist here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, we're not the only ones thinking about dread. Um, and I, and Carl Urban has, uh, he, you know, I don't know about a TV show, but he has, um, said in some interviews that he would be interested if they did another movie, which another movie seems unlikely be it's, it's a shame. Um, so the budget for this was 50 million and, it only did 41 million worldwide, only 13 million in the United uh, States. So it bombed hard. Money. Yeah, it bombed hard here. That's a shame because I, really I think it's really good. I don't really know what the, uh, it came out in September, I guess. And I don't really know what was, uh, you know, what was going on at the time that it just, you know, that it had a bad maybe, reception or, I don't know. I think it, it does straddle. And, and, you know, this is maybe a good segue to introduce his work in The Boys, but it straddles a couple of genre lines because it really is. Ex, it's, ex, it's not like there's grotesque violence in every scene. It's not a, you know, a grindhouse horror movie. No. Uh, but, but there is a lot of violence and it's not just. Psh, psh, cop shoot the bad guy he fall down it's like it'll they'll be doing slow-mo and then they'll come in and start shooting and we're in slow motion as a bullet goes through someone's face and it's oddly beautiful as simultaneously grotesque and horrifying and it really um it really is a movie that there's a lot of splatter too and i don't like that stuff but i think that they handled it in a way that, like I say, the art direction of it is beautiful, maybe too strong a word, but they're playing with that line. I think the violence may have been off-putting for people who thought they were coming to see something more in the vein of Stallone's version. Could be, yeah. Um, also, I just wonder if the problem might 
be that just it's too fringe of a character that there just aren't enough people in the United States that know. Right. That's care. You know, because uh, people would have gone to see judge Dredd for Stallone. That was yeah. just a Stallone vehicle. And they're like, Oh, okay. Stallone sci-fi judge Dredd. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. It's not like there's a huge following of the comic that would, that would make that, that those, those numbers up. Um, and you know, it, it's, it seems it's strange now to look back and, and think about this. But, you know, based on what Marvel has become in the last decade or so, but Iron Man was this huge gamble because the the general public didn't know the character Iron Man. You know, people right. who weren't way into comp, you know, uh, I read tons of Iron Man comics as a kid. So, you know, I was excited for it, but I but it that was viewed as a big gamble because are people going to know, you know, who Iron Man is. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I I would wonder if maybe this wouldn't work better as a TV show uh, just because you put well, stuff on Netflix or Prime or whatever. Yeah. It seems like anything you put on there, people will watch, you know? Well, and again, it's like if it's a movie about a, an action movie, sci-fi comic book hero, you know, you might say, oh, you know, I'll take my 10-year-old son to this, you know? It's like the Avengers, yeah, there's some violent stuff in that, but it is, it's comic book violence. You know, maybe not for your six-year-old. I don't know, but it's also not Scarface, yeah. you know? It's like, but this, the violence in this, I can imagine some people are like, yeah, let's, we'll take the kids. You, Oh, what do you want to see, Dread? Okay. And then being like, oh, my God. And it's not... It's, um, you know, that I think the American movie going audience has a pretty high threshold for violence. This is, um, uh, it's difficult. Do you, do you have a sense of where I'm going with this? It's like, it really explores violence on screen in a way that celebrates it, but also there, it, there, it's, it it doesn't attempt it it's still disturbing you know mm -hmm. like in that shot with the crazy thing you there's a moment where you're just like oh man look at them firing those guns but then then there's a family with kids in the room that just get shot to swiss cheese and you're just like oh i didn't you know i don't want them to kill the kids so it doesn't let you pretend that innocents aren't falling victim to this mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah look how cool this is and it's like do you still think it's so cool and then it goes back to but wait now we're gonna blow up some walls and you're like oh that's cool and you're like oh that's not cool oh but that's really cool and then you're like oh i like that guy you know what i mean it's yeah. like they don't really let you off the hook so easy and if it's younger kids like those slow-mo the slow-mo violence is like well it's cool but you're also just like oh man you know you wouldn't want my kids to see that mm -mm. no there's definitely some some gnarly things in this and you adult know. themes some very adult you know yeah the yeah, drug gang is, is not messing around they are not nice guys <laughs> you know what this this may be strangely a little bit that i was thinking of watching this some in the tone was 
it reminded me a little bit of the crow um the first crow movie because that's a movie where this feels grimy and dirty you know because you're in this uh this big high rise where it's all of these poor people living in there and everything looks uh, nothing is looks nice or new. It's all run down and they're dealing with these sleazy people. And the, the crow is kind of like that where he's going around killing these, these bad guys. And it's, it's not always fun. Like with this, you know, there's some scenes where it's just, you never feel bad for any of those characters, but it's just kind of gross at times. And I don't know that that made me think of that a little bit, a little bit watching this. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe it, I mean, I, I think that maybe moving it to a TV format and now and the time that we're in makes a ton of sense. I mean, so Carl Urban is also one of the main characters of a television show on Amazon called the boys, which is mm-hmm. adapted from dark comic book stuff. And you have not seen that. Right. So I won't No, I'm spoil. familiar with it, but I haven't. But yeah. I haven't the premise of that is, is dark and violent and um, that there are sort of superheroes, but while they are being painted as heroes, there's an underbelly to the story. And as we discover, not everything they do is, um, kind of knight Superman stuff, knight in shining armor stuff. Mm-hmm. So then what do you do if you have complicated and sometimes compromised personalities who also have these superpowers that are basically owned and the branding and everything, it's, it's corporate. And um, Carl Urban is, is not one of the superheroes. He is a person who has suffered uh, loss at, you know, without going into too much more detail at the hands. And so he's part of a group of people that are trying to expose them at best and kill them at worst, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But of course they're (laughs) completely outgunned because these are superheroes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I found it really entertaining. It is very, very dark and it is also very violent. And I thought, you know, but it works as a television show. It's not something you'd necessarily accidentally sit down and watch with the kids. I think the rating is a little more clear on that somehow than just saying, oh, it's an R-rated movie. And you're like, yeah, but my kids can handle it. And then you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people also feel like they're, they can turn off the, okay, and they just turn it off, right? Whereas That's true. If yeah, you're we're in you're the movie, movie theater. You're going to get you drop up and walk out, you know, 30, 40 bucks on tickets and popcorn. And you're like, okay, kids out, out, you know, and the kids are going to push back. So it's like, you're less of a captive audience when it's TV. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing that, so Carl Urban makes me think of a, a little side tangent that I wanted to get your thoughts of on. So, and that's uh, remakes and casting. So Carl Urban, you know, when I first saw him was in, uh, Star Trek. And right. I think one of my big pet peeves sort of at the time with movies is not remakes per se, but it's uh, because basically everything that we've enjoyed, you know, or maybe didn't even enjoy is probably going to get remade, you know, in the coming decades or they're going to do origin stories or whatever. And I don't know how you felt about those Star Trek movies. I really liked them. 
I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan in the world. I, I enjoyed the original series and, you know, I liked the movies and I didn't really care much about any of the other TV shows. But I, but to me, that was an example of taking very iconic characters that were tied to actors, you know, uh, William Shatner was Captain Kirk and, uh, uh, and, uh, Oh, Leonard Nimoy. Nimoy was Spock, you know, and Bones and everything. So these were these very iconic characters. And to me, I thought they did a fantastic job of casting those movies. So I yeah, think I agree. And I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think, you know, we're going to have, uh, you know, uh, Iron Man. At some point, they're going to recast Iron Man. At some point, they're going to recast Wolverine, even though we had actors who did a sure. really great job. But if done right, that can be great. You know, there's somebody out there that who can play Tony Stark. But where Hollywood screws up, I think, is if they say, okay, we're going to reboot Star Trek again, and, you know, Johnny Depp is going to be Spock, and or, or Johnny Depp is going to be uh, Kirk and we're going to have Brad Pitt as Spock. You know what I mean? And, and that kind of, then it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But I just wondered what you, what you think about that, the whole remake thing. And, and, and this one, if they do dread again, it, you know, if they do it as a TV show, do they need to get Carl Urban or can they get somebody else that, you know, would yeah. fit just as well? Uh, you know, I, I just wonder what you think about that. A couple of thoughts on that. First of all, I would say that Dread is not Star Trek, like as a yeah, property, you know? Exactly, yeah. And I don't think it has the beloved fan base. I, I'm almost done with the final season. I'm just rewatching The Next Generation now as kind of my, I don't really have anything else to watch, and I smoked a little rope, and mm -hmm. I just want to watch. So I'll watch another episode, or I'm on the treadmill, and I'll watch an episode of TNG. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm almost all the way through. It really drops off right at the end there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those last season episodes are not great. Mm. Um, but I did like the remakes. Um, uh, I think that J.J. Uh, Abrams has said he was a Star Wars kid. He was not a Star Trek kid. Yeah. Um, and I think that while they are, he makes a great movie, you know, and I think the casting was good. I think the one... And I, the one casting that didn't really land with me was Spock. And okay. he's very good. I have nothing bad to say about that actor. Um, uh, Zachary Kinto, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. Um, it's not that it wasn't smart casting. I just didn't, you know, what, what, what Spock and Kirk, uh, Nimoy and, um, uh, um, Shatner Shatner had was chemistry. Yeah. Uh, you just, they had this now and bones too, but the three of them love to riff off each other. And uh, all of these actors do a good job and sort of fit the look, but they just did not ever achieve that same chemistry. And I think that the people that dis, I mean, they're entertaining movies. Um, but I think what I miss, and I am not a died in the world Star Trek fan either. I love the the concept and the universe it created. And I love the chemistry of those original guys and the chemistry that the next generation crew uh, had. Uh, but what I miss is this sort of, there's a love of that universe um, 
that is a little absent, I think, from these movies. Yeah, they did, and like you said, J.J. Abrams, he, he definitely did, and I could see, especially the people that were are hardcore Star Trek fans would have not been happy because he basically turned them into Star Wars, more or less, you know? Well, um, he, he was like the, the best Star Trek episodes are the sort of submarine episodes, like in mm -hmm. Khan, where it's you're in space and you're basically in a big submarine and the other guys are in a submarine and you're sort of... He, so he really connected with the battles. And yeah, that's a that's a core part of Star Trek. But, you know, when you go back and watch these seasons, there's a number of recurring beloved themes that come up, like the mirror universe. And um, there's there's always a corny one where it's like, oh, this is one of the funny episodes where mm -hmm. funny, quirky, like boop, 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 mugging to camera stuff happens. Sure. And those aren't my favorite either, but they're a part of the canon, a beloved part of the canon. And there's you know, social commentary, you know. Yes, and then there's like a social episode that's like, oh, this is the one about the people who are uh, literally white face paint on the left and black face paint on the right, and the other half of their planet is the opposite, and they they have race wars because yeah. they're like, you know, it's like sneeches. <laughs> this, mm -hmm. These they have stars on ours, and we don't have. It's like it to highlight how ridiculous it is to um, you know fight with somebody or judge someone over their appearance, but those are beloved parts of the canon and i don't really f there are gestures to that in abrams movies but um you know i think he was making an action movie dressed in star trek garb and they were good good action movies i i enjoyed them um and i like chris pine i, I like you know i like all those folks i just um it didn't chime in the same way as even those I mean, the Star Trek movies are pretty uniformly bad. Khan being an exception. Um, you go back and you rewatch them and you're just like, oh boy. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's been a while since I've seen many of them, so I'm sure they don't hold up spectacularly well. But I'm not opposed to remakes. I think you have an opportunity to really do a good job with it it's like it's like making a cover for a song though you know it's like mm -hmm. uh if you just try if you just sing it the way that bob dylan sang it then it's hard to listen to that and think i'm yeah it's fine but i mean it makes me think of bob dylan's version you know mm -hmm. um but if you come at it like um uh what was the name of that band that did a cover of sweet jane and it was just totally different from the velvet underground sweet jane female singer god i'm spacing mm, on the name I'm not sure it's totally different though and you just think wow that is it they just took that song and they completely made it their own and it is technically the same song same chord progression same lyrics for the most part and everything else but really made something fresh of it and you're like and it, it's just really listenable and it works and you think well that's a hugely successful remake right there you know, yeah. you so, know, people will talk I, about, I think uh, you have an opportunity. Oh yeah. People will talk a lot about with some of these roles, like a, like a, uh, an Iron Man, a Tony Stark that only one person has played it. And people will say, well, you know, you have James Bond where we, you've had what, like probably six or seven actors or something like that at this point. And, you know, some of them are great and some of them are not great. Um, are there roles do you think there are roles that like 
it's going to happen at some point that the, they will reboot Indiana Jones. You know, Marvel is going to do it. Uh, can and Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Do you know, is that are there roles like that that, uh, that it, it just can't be done, you think? Or do you think any there's any character that you can you could find an actor to uh, reboot with? Um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's possible. I think timing is part of it. And I think it's, you know, it all comes down to execution. Like if you were going to redo Indiana Jones, you know, sometimes what they do is they do a young Indiana Jones or, you know, they're not going to do Indiana Jones even older. They're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, or maybe they switch it to TV where they say, you know, the Indiana Jones diaries are not this terrible name, but you get the idea that it's more an episodic thing. And they, they find somebody who isn't trying to impersonate Harrison Ford, but somehow chimes with the same combination of like vulnerability and invincibility and comedy and, um, drama, dramatic chops, uh, that ju it just works. Like it's hard to quantify why something works and then you see it and you can talk about it like we do afterwards and sing the praises of all the stuff you loved about it. Here's why I think it works. Oh, I love this. Right. But when you're casting it and you're pre-planning it, I mean, you see a lot of movies that it's clear they thought this was a slam dunk and then the end product just stinks. So it's really hard, I think, to go into something with a beloved property like it's easy to think, well, this is a great head. People will come see this. Well, they might come opening weekend, but if the movie's a stinker, you know, you're not going to make back your um, investment, sure. um, you know, unless it has some staying power. And it's only going to have staying power if the person you cast in the shoes of the beloved, memorable character doesn't have to be the same, but it's got to work. And that's really hard to quantify and really hard to get ahead of time. Um, and, you know, even with Indiana Jones, you know, you had, of course, you had the TV show where they had a young, you know, young version of Indiana Jones. But also even with um, Last Crusade, you know, in the opening segment where you have River Phoenix as Indiana Jones as a whatever age he was, a teenager. And I don't think anybody would say that River Phoenix is is much like Harrison Ford, he didn't look like him or sound like him or much, but he did a great job, you know? Yeah. He was a good enough actor that he could watch those movies and get the timing and that mm -hmm. kind of expression. You know, he was clearly, okay, so you are young Indiana Jones, you know, and he was clearly watching the movies and he does that. It's a Spielberg thing. He does that thing where he's like touches his chin and then brings his eyes up into the camera, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, yeah, that that red is Indiana Jones. You're like, oh, that's what he was like as a kid. Cool. Mm -hmm. You buy it. And it's just difficult to know what an audience is going to buy. And what an, I think especially for the execs who are not artists. Uh, they're just money people. Um, I think it's difficult to, to know what's going to stick and what isn't. Um, oh, sure. Like like we were saying with star trek like zachary kinto I, I i have nothing against that actor i think he's a terrific actor i just didn't work as spock for me and i'm hard pressed to tell you why 
other than to sort of vaguely say, I just the chemistry wasn't there. I mean, Chris Pine, too. I really like Chris Pine. He's not Shatner. And um, you that know. was one thing I, I felt was, especially with him, I felt they were smart with is because Shatner has a particular delivery and a style and a personality and, and everybody does a Shatner impression and they, it could have been, uh, it would have been a bad move, but it, it, it you know, you could have gone with somebody trying to do an impression of William Shatner, which it, it never felt like he was doing that, you know? You know, there is a moment right at the end after act three, when it's kind of over and they're cleaning things up, um, when they have the bridge and it's like, well, we finished that and we dusted off our hands and now we're going to head back out on our next mission. And everybody does a little gesture, a little homage gesture. And it's, it's very brief, mm -hmm. but he kind of comes walking off the lift and he's doing the kind of Shatner swagger. Yeah. And he does, I, I think all he says is bones, but he doesn't, he's like bones. And he does, a, he, it's like a one word Shatner impersonation mm -hmm. uh, with a little wiggle in the walk. That's clearly to my eye, it was clearly homage. And I thought, um, that felt like the actor being like, come on, you gotta let me pay some tribute to Shatner. Yeah. And Jay, Jay Abrams being a good enough director to be like, yeah, I guess we kind of got to throw a bone uh, to the audience. And and everybody has one little moment where they're like, yeah, we watched it. You know, um, I honestly could have done with just a touch more than that. Like, mm -hmm. I, would, I wouldn't have minded a little gesture here and there throughout just to kind of stitch it together. I wouldn't have wanted a Shatner impersonator right. <laughs> to play the role. But, um, God, it was such a distinctive acting style Yeah, that even if you had Chris Pine do it in three or four places, but in different ways. So in this one where I'm going to, I'm going to study like where he's running down the corridor and jumps over the thing. I'm going to study Shatter. I'm going to do that like Shatner. And then maybe in this other thing, like I'm not going to do the voice, but I'm going to insert a pause for no reason, you know, it just in my own acting style, just once. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I could have I could have done with a, a little more chicken feed uh, in that regard. And I think it would have um, because what they did, I liked and I felt like it wasn't quite enough mm -hmm. to pay homage. It's like, oh, you just get to put on the suit. And now you're just making them. You just, oh, it's an alternate universe. So that's what we like. <laughs> no, you got to, you know, throw me a bone here. Tie it together somehow. That's just. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. A little further afield, but um still somewhat related have you watched picard yes i have oh, yes. how is it mm, um i mean i enjoyed it uh it is um it's hot and cold you mm. know it's a it's a little um it, it's a little all over the place uh i i think there were moments of it that are just lovely and really felt like the family's back together again okay and there's other moments that felt paint by numbers like they were trying to stuff a square peg into a round hole or vice versa and um i didn't think were quite as effective um it does it does bring back in a data storyline 
mm-hmm. that that I thought was one of the strongest elements of the next generation was its exploration of artificial life and artificial intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. And Brett Spiner was wonderful, beloved performances data. Um, yeah. So I thought that was wise of them to like anchor it to that. What would be, what would get Picard as an old man, like off his duff and back into space adventuring if it, if it had something to do with his dear friend data about which he felt, you know, he, he had very strong feelings about data. So mm-hmm. that, that made sense. Like, well, he's come on, he's effectively retired. He's clearly a very old guy. What's he doing? And you're like, oh, well, I guess if it was about data, he'd chase that. You know, so, yeah. I mean, if you're into it, I would check it out. I, I yeah, I, I'd be I'd be interested in checking it out as much as anything just for Patrick Stewart. But, yeah. Well, and, just, and it got Discovery, some kind of raves. Discovery is the other property that CBS is doing now. They've got two seasons. I think they announced a third season or they've got three and they announced a fourth. I don't remember. Um, that That is... Um, that's a fun, fun watch. It's, uh, it's like Star Trek on steroids. It is okay. It predates, um, it predates the original series. So it's, I think I'm right. I, there's going to be some. Tra- if I'm wrong, the Trek enthusiasts are going to be like idiot. But <laughs> yeah. I think it actually predates um, uh, Kirk and Spock. Because it's Chris Christopher Pike, isn't it? Um, okay, he's great. That's a great character on that show. I think they're even doing a spinoff. Uh, they're doing a spinoff that is just Pike and his crew. Um, oh, all right. Uh, that's how good the chemistry was with that character. But it's like they get into they get into some crazy time bending like shenanigans, and you're like, wait, this is before the Enterprise, <laughs> like. And then they all then they have to justify it like why well, and that's why we use screens instead of holograms. Ah, you know what I mean? And you're kind of like, yeah. wait a minute, you've got you've got great looking three dimensional holographic communication, <laughs> but and then in in another fifty years or however, I guess it's not. I don't the timeline baffles me, but in a little while later, you're back to like <laughs> just big TV screens, and then they yeah. have a re- they have a reason for it, and you're like, uh. Uh, okay <laughs> you know they retconned it kind of but uh, it, it's one of those things where there are so many streaming services now and yeah. it was and you know i debated about it's like okay do i was really interested in i don't know if you've watched it but i was really interested in the new twilight zone which i think has been pretty mixed most of what i've read about it but it was like okay there's a, you know do i am i going to pay for a streaming service just for one show and then it was like then they had picard and then they had the discovery which i thought you know looked kind of interesting and so i don't know maybe i should should uh if it's three shows that i would like maybe maybe it'd be worth you know well getting, sign but. sign up for a month and binge it all and then yeah. i mean what is it 15 10 15 something like that yeah so you know i mean what do you pay for a movie oh sure uh, yeah uh, well, I, paid, spring, I paid. Spring. I paid five bucks for. Uh, yeah, uh, you did. <laughs> for six bucks, um, five or six bucks, something like that. So l- let's circle back around to dread. Would yeah, you, we got, uh, I gotta actually we gotta wrap it up. I think because I'm I'm uh, running into some time constraints here. Okay, so would so I recommend just, it? 
Yeah. Would you recommend it? And would you do you want to see more dread if they do another movie or if they if the show comes about? How, how do you feel about that? I, I would recommend it, uh, especially if especially if I can give uh, listeners my advice that like uh, it's not for the kiddies. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it is rough and tumble. Um, it's brutal. Uh, but more, I, I maybe more squeamish people. I really enjoyed like it too much, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's right. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I would watch if they came out with the dread show, I would definitely check it out. Um, it sounds like they're probably not going to Carl Urban was not Carl Urban in the same way at the time they made this as he is now. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I get the impression that Carl Urban doesn't need the work, right? Carl Urban's not, I'd say he's probably doing pretty well. Yeah, but but if they could get him, absolutely one hundred percent. If not, I'll still check it out. Um, if it's in the same vein, what did you? What do you think? Yeah, I liked it. I I I don't know why I it took me so long to get back to this one, but I'm glad we watched it because it, it's it's fun and it's uh, I definitely uh, prefer this tone to the Stallone one. Though, as we said, you know, the Stallone one is kind of a little bit unfairly maligned. But yeah, I would, um, I think especially if they would do a show and I, I think the way to do a show with this is maybe have it be eight or 10 episodes and maybe have, it doesn't even have to be an ongoing story. You know, each, you could do each episode be a self-contained thing. You know, he's going after a different, uh, you know, a different, cause this doesn't have to be, you know, this isn't really, I, I don't know how the comics are, but even this movie isn't super complex. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it would be cool if they, especially if they do a show and it's Netflix or prime or whatever, and they can just do whatever they want with it. It doesn't have to, you know, make it an adult, uh, for adults like this movie was. Um, and I, I think you can do some, some yeah. cool things with that. So, yeah, I think definitely, especially if they do this as a series with this same kind of, fairly dark violent tone with with some still some fun worked in there i i would definitely be into it cool me too we're in agreement um uh, so we haven't discussed what we're going to do next time we'll do something fun um but uh thank you both of you <laughs> for listening that's, that's rough no i'm sure we've got thousands of people out there here listening to this uh Uh, Until next time, thanks so much, and uh, go check out Dread if you haven't seen it.